Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We are about to talk to a guest who is going to tell us a little bit more about decision making based upon her time at the table. And I don't mean the dinner table, so this should be fun. We look uh, forward to interviews like this. Annie Duke is with us this morning on WILK. Thinking in bets, making smarter decisions when you don't have all the facts. Hi, Annie. Good morning. It's great to hear your voice. Hi, Sue. Welcome to our show. Well, thank you for having me. So tell me a little bit about the backstory about how someone like yourself gets involved in playing cards. Was this a family thing? Did you learn it from your friends? What happened? Well, I, I, I guess I we did play cards when I was growing up, but not poker. I, I really learned it from my brother. My brother, when he was 18, went off to New York, um, supposedly go to, to go to college, um, and he ended up actually becoming a professional poker player and quite a good one I might add he has many many championships so when I was at the end of graduate school um, I found myself um, taking some time off and I needed some money and my brother actually suggested that he would mentor me in poker he'd already been playing for about 10 years by then and was really one of the best players in the world at that point so I had a really great teacher are women welcome at these tables well, I guess it depends on what you mean by welcome. Um, <laughs> I mean, you're, we're certainly allowed to sit down and play. Um, but, you know, it's definitely a, a boys club about in a, in a big time professional um, high stakes poker tournament, only about 3% of the field is women. Um, you know, and when you're playing in a, a poker tournament, there's no HR department. So, um, you know, it's, it's kind of what you would expect from that environment. But, you know, for somebody who really loves poker, it was also, like, super exciting to be engaging in that game. And you know what the best revenge is? Winning. <laughs> yeah. And I also do want to say, like, some... There are amazing, amazing, amazing men who play poker who are incredibly dear friends of mine. I do not want to paint with a broad brush here. Okay. And I'm thinking uh, from uh, the standpoint that we always hear, uh, women have a great intuition. How does that play into an, a poker approach? Does that help you? Well, I think it depends on what you mean by intuition. I, I'm not a big fan of sort of the idea of going with your gut. I, I do think that your gut is certainly informed by the experiences of your life, but you should always check that against reality and actually try to make sure whether your gut makes sense. So you want those two things to collide. And then hopefully as you train better decision-making, your gut instincts just tend to get more accurate. The thing that I think that women are better at is reading other people's emotions. And reading other people's emotions at the poker table is actually really, really important. And I think that women just in general, are, are that, that happens to be a, a skill that they are superior at, in my opinion. Now, when did you think that you would take a, a skill like a playing poker and then translate it into uh, the broader topic about uh, strategy and decision making? 
Well, so here's a little thing about my history that makes it not so crazy. Um, before I was a professional poker player, I was getting my PhD at the University of Pennsylvania in Cognitive Science. Uh, so I was actually studying um, the way that we learn uh, by, you know, the things that turn, you know, the, the the evidence that sort of is out there in our lives. So I was, I was actually studying this problem of learning um, and how you make decisions about the world uh, for my PhD. I then took sort of this left turn into poker. Uh, I became a pro in 94. Obviously, some of my graduate work was kind of informing the way that I was thinking about poker. And then in 2002, uh, a little bit through sheer luck, I was asked to speak to a group of um, people who were in finance about how poker might inform decision-making. And that, that was the first moment that I really started to think in an explicit way of how could I teach this? Like, how could I teach kind of this collision of cognitive science and poker? Um, in a way that's really accessible to people to really help them improve their decision-making. And so I w I've been doing it for quite a while. Well, how can it then? Can you just give us a little bit of insight? Because some people look at uh, even the word bet and um, they think it's it's risky and they think that uh, it's it's not for them and, and they, they don't want to try it. But I would believe underlying every day we are making bets, actually, even if we don't find it tasteful, you know? Yeah, so I, I think that the problem is that we think about bets in the way that we think about them happening in, in a casino or betting on the lottery or a horse race or something like that. But what the actual definition of a bet is, it's just decision, a decision that's informed by beliefs that you have about the world on how you think the future might turn out. And that decision involves investing some sort of limited resource um, that you think is then you know, going to improve because of the decision that you made. The limited resource doesn't have to be money, number one. It could be your health or your happiness or your time. Um, it always involves uncertainty about how the future is going to turn out because we never know how the, the future is going to turn out. It was almost kismet there. You were talking about how you don't know what's going to happen and then the weather. That's right. Yeah, so there you go. And uh That's a perfect example. So, so basically, think about it. Like, here's a bet. You're in a restaurant. And you're trying to decide whether to order the chicken dish or the fish dish. That's a bet because you can only order one or the other, so it's a limited resource. And you're trying to decide which future is going to make you happier, the one where you have the chicken or the one that you have the fish. And it's informed by your beliefs about, like, the restaurant and how you think they're going to cook it and what you think you're going to like. So maybe you decide on the chicken and you think that's going to work out, and maybe it does. And, you know your future is happier, but maybe the chicken is super dry. You don't have any control over that. So even something as simple as like, should I order the chicken or the fish is a bet. That's interesting to me. And I guess you're right. It, it's all around us. Now, how, how do our past practices, Annie, influence our, our future about risk-taking or betting? I mean, some of us may be a little bit more reticent. Maybe we grew up in families who said, you just don't do that. But how do we get away from those kind of inherent biases that we have about stuff? So I think that there's a couple of things um, that are problematic just in terms of what our history is. Um, the first is that uh, once we have a belief about something, we tend to think it's right, and then we look for all sorts of reasons to confirm that it's right. And we're very, we really don't like to change our minds. You can see this in politics right now, for sure, right? People have beliefs about what's right or wrong. And no matter what you tell them, you can't change their mind. And, that, and that's true for us as well. So that, that's kind of the first problem that we need to get past. Um, so we need to be, you know, find a way to be more open-minded. And one of the ways to do that is 
really to think about things as bets. If I say to you, okay, so you believe that you shouldn't do this, are you willing to bet on it? <laughs> that, that will really change whether you, you know, well, how much are you willing to bet on this belief that you have? It causes you to kind of moderate your beliefs, which allows you to be more open-minded and more flexible in your thinking, which is really what you're trying to do. You don't want to be like caught in a groove, which is what you're talking about, right? And the other thing is the way that you can be willing to kind of think about how do I how do I take on more risk is by acknowledging that it exists, by acknowledging that the future isn't uncertain. Sometimes a weather advisory comes on when you're in the <laughs> middle of talking. And that's totally okay. You know, sometimes you go through a red light and you get through safely. And sometimes you go through a green light and you don't. So really focus on the fact that the way our lives turn out is determined by two things. One is the quality of the decisions. That we have something to say about. But the other thing that determines it is just sheer luck. So be okay with that. Don't try to get control over the luck because you can't. And then I think you become more open-minded to, to really being flexible in your thinking. Is there a way to get the luck to come to you? <laughs> Well, there's not a way to get the luck to come to you, but what there is a way to do is make decisions that increase the probability that it will go your way. So, you know, you can make a decision where things are only going to go your way 10% of the time, or you can make a decision where things are going to go your way 50% of the time. So what we want to be doing is trying to make the decision that gets things to go our way 50% of the time. And that means that our decisions have to be well-informed, which means that our beliefs have to be really good which means we need to be really open-minded. And we need to be really open-minded in particular to information out there and opinions out there that disagree with us. And I think you'll agree, what we're seeing right now is that people aren't too good at that. So the better you can be at that, at being willing to hear people who disagree with you, then you're, you'll, that's how you sort of, in, in, in the way that you said it, get the luck to come to you. But what you're really doing is just increasing the chances that things go well. And you're also uh, learning about the other side by doing that and kind of picking somebody's brain and, and opening mm -hmm. your mind to hear the way they see it, which I always find to be eye-opening. And maybe there's something in their, their discussion that I can take away and use in the future if I listen to what they have to say, even if I don't agree. And you know what? Your life is going to be happier for it because you're not going to be so combative with everybody around you. I mean, you're just going to get along with people better when you're more open-minded to their opinions. You do realize you're trying to kill my career as a talk show host, right? <laughs> no, I'm trying to help your career as a talk show host. So you have lots of people who come on who disagree with you, and then you can have really cool discussions that inform your audiences. <laughs> All right. I want to talk to you about something which uh, you must have felt a couple of times at the, at the table, and that is failure, right? Because when you're playing uh -huh. cards, you don't win every hand, right? So you have to no. learn how to accept the fact that you lose the hand. And then what do you do? How do you move on from that? And how do you learn from your failures in order to make you a better person overall? Well, so I think that the way that you get past that is to redefine what it means to win or to lose. So I could define losing as I lost a hand. Right? That's how I could define losing. I could define winning as, well, I just won this particular hand. But what if I define winning as I want to be the best learner possible? I want to get everything I can out of every decision that I make and become way better at it.
then what happens is that when I lose, I don't know whether I lost or not until I go back and look at the decision. And the fact that I'm even going back and looking at the decision instead of worrying so much about whether I won or lost that particular hand makes me a winner because I'm turning everything into a learning opportunity. Because here's the fact, Sue, like I can have aces, which is the very best possible hand, and I can play it perfectly and luck can intervene and I can still lose. So hopefully I don't view that loss as a failure. Hopefully instead I say, well, let me go back and see if I played the hand well. And if I played the hand well, then that's great. I didn't fail. And if I played the hand poorly, I didn't fail as long as I learned from how I played it poorly and I use it to change my decisions going forward. Annie Duke, this is a fun conversation about thinking in bets, making smarter decisions when you don't have all the facts. Thanks for doing the show today. We really appreciated it. It was uh, quite a blast. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Sure, even the weather thing. So I'm glad you rolled with it. Thanks a lot. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network.